Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to a new episode of Landgrant Holy Land, Stick to Sports podcast. And here on Stick to Sports, we do talk about Ohio State athletics, but more often than not, we avoid the X's and O's of said sports and dive into what is going on around the periphery of the games, as well as whatever is keeping us occupied and entertained in between. My name is Matt Timonini, and I am joined, as always, by Landgrant Holy Land columnist and left coast editor, Jamie Urich. Jamie, long time no chat. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you, Matt? I'm doing well. I uh, We're recording on Monday night. Less than 48 hours ago, I flew back home to Central Florida from spending a week in uh, uh, New York City. So I had a nice, my third of three trips to New York in the past four months. I don't plan on going back until November, but of course, I'll probably throw something in in the summer just because. Um, and that'll be kind of a topic of conversation here uh, in a second. So we will get into all of that in due time. But we want to start by talking about some Ohio State athletic stuff. And um, yeah, <laughs> it's... Uh, I mean, like baseball, softball games. Yeah, softball, so- softball starts the Big Ten tournament on Wednesday. Yep. Um, recruiting. Yeah, recruiting. Heard there might it's be happening. a big boom. Heard, heard there might There's, be a big boom soon. It's great. You no, know, women's golf is playing in the NCAA regional. Awesome. Like, Love that's, it. Yeah, sport, sports, sports. Okay, I think we've now fulfilled our obligation to talk about Ohio State sports on this podcast. We are not going to transition <laughs> into something completely different. <laughs> In the words of Monty Python, now for something completely different. And Jamie, the reason we wanted to get back on the podcast is because yesterday, Monday, was a holiday for you and me. Most people don't know um, that you and I both celebrate Tony Nomination Day as a high holy day. Um, it was the uh, it was delayed by six days. It was originally supposed to happen on um, May 3rd, and then because of some COVID stuff, they pushed back, and we finally got the Tony nominations for the 2021-2022 season on Monday. Uh, and because it's our podcast, we can do whatever the hell we want, we, uh, we're we going to talk about the Tony nominations. So do you want to start with like the production, like the big production categories, or do you want to talk about the performance categories and then work up to the production categories like they would on the actual show itself. I feel like let's start with the production categories only because if our listeners out there are fairly new to theater, it gives them a little bit of context for 
the nitty gritty of the rest of it. That is why you are the smart one here. So let's start with best revival of a play. Um, The nominees are American Buffalo by David Mamet for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough by Antizaki Shange, how I learned to drive by um, uh, the great Paula Vogel, uh, take me out by Richard Greenberg and trouble in mind by Alice Childers. Um, this is an interesting category because one of these shows, How I Learned to Drive, this is considered a revival, um, but it is the actually two of these shows, How I Learned to Drive and Trouble of Mind, they're considered revivals, but they've never played on Broadway before. So as Jamie mentioned, if you are new to Broadway, if a show is part of the theatrical canon, even though it has never been to Broadway and it's more than five years since its last New York, since its original New York production, it's considered a revival. So that's why these two shows that have never been on Broadway are considered revivals. But what I wanted to mention about How I Learned to Drive, what's so interesting about this is that this show had its world premiere 20 years ago and the original director and three of the five original cast members are returning to this show. So it makes it very interesting to see how I learned to drive, come back 20 years later and essentially have the same core cast. The two people who were replaced are kind of like the ensemble members. Um, and it does star some names that you probably know. Mary Louise Parker and David Morris are the two leads in this show. And if I'm guessing here, Jamie, I would imagine that that very well might be the winner in this category. I think its biggest competition will be Take Me Out, which is actually a play about um, a baseball team. Stars Jesse Williams of Grey's Anatomy fame and Jesse Tyler Ferguson um, in this show as well. But I'm I'm guessing that How I Learned to Drive is probably the show that is the leader in the clubhouse for revival of a play. Although Take Me Out did have more nominations. Yeah, this is such an interesting category because from everything that I heard, you know, not being New York based, I have seen many of these shows done in other iterations regionally, but I haven't seen these specific productions. So I have seen Four Colored Girls, I've seen How I Learned to Drive, um, and I've seen Trouble in Mind and Take Me Out. The only one I haven't seen is American Buffalo. All of them are spectacular shows. And from everything that I've heard, the production of American Buffalo is a spectacular revival. Um, Starring Sam Rockwell, Lawrence Fishburne, and Darren Chris, So big names in that as well. Yep. And for Colored Girls has kind of, you know, they, they announced an early closing. They've sort of seen this resurgence in ticket sales because Ayanna Prescott started that movement to, to donate yep. tickets. And yep. I believe they raised like a several- lot of money thousand dollars i bought yeah yeah i bought two tickets for somebody else to go uh tomorrow to tuesday night's show actually so um ayana who is a theater journalist actually moving into the uh marketing side of theater here soon she organized this where people would buy tickets and donate them to folks um which i was very happy to do i saw the show last week so after seeing it i was like okay more people need to see this so um an individual named daryl is seeing the show uh, on Tuesday night with tickets that I bought, I which I'm very that. happy about. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and it, it really is. Uh, the show itself is is spectacular. So I I can't speak to this revival, but everything that I've heard says that this revival. It's amazing. Yeah. Kind of follows along those same lines. Um, I would love to see that one sneak in there. How I Learned to Drive is a really interesting one because 
the subject matter is so heavy and like kind of controversial. Um, And the direction of the show can make or break whether it works or is just really icky. And from everything that I've heard, this particular revival like nailed it spectacularly. Yeah. And I have seen regional versions of it where it has gone both ways, where I have left thinking that this is one of the great plays of our time. And there have been other times where I've left thinking like, this is, I am so sick to my stomach. This is the worst thing I've ever sat through. Um, And so the direction really does make a difference and the performances really do make a difference. And the staging really does make a difference with this particular show um, as it does with, with all shows, but really given the subject matter of how I learned to drive, this is um, particularly important. Um, And so I do think that because this show is a show that, you know, many people know it had, it is a Pulitzer, uh, won the Pulitzer prize in 1998 for drama. Um, that does, I, I agree with you kind of, I think given an edge, but take me out has been getting a lot of talk. So I also would not be surprised to see that kind of sneak in there. Um, and I would say for colored girls is maybe my dark horse in the category. Yeah, for Colored Girls was great and very moving. Um, Kanita R. Miller, who we'll talk about eventually, I suppose, um, certainly deserves the Tony nomination that she got for that show and very well might deserve to win. What's interesting is, is I still think I, How I Learned to Drive will win, but I agree. I, like I said earlier, Take Me Out would be the second. If I had my choice, um, Trouble in Mind would win. Um, that was my favorite of the shows in this category this season. Uh, it's a show that was really originally supposed to come to Broadway like 60 years ago. It's written by a black woman playwright. And because she refused to kind of tone down some of the commentary on how Broadway deal dealt with race back then it was eventually shelved and never came to broadway and that's why it's finally coming to broadway here it came in two in uh, the fall of 2021 um led by the incomparable theater legend lashans um it was a great show it's unfortunately incredibly poignant still to this day but that was my favorite show of this category so while i think how i learned to drive will win i i would prefer that trouble in mind wins that's i i think like a really interesting um perspective and you're not the only one that I have heard say that again I haven't seen this revival so I can't speak to that but I, I again this is one where really like I would be I'm going to be happy for for the vast majority of these nominees yeah. if they if they take it for yeah. di- for different reasons totally I don't need American Buffalo to win for yeah, that, for reasons but can uh, just go sit over there but the other four totally happy completely agree totally happy like none of the other four are like offensive to me in any way. And American Buffalo isn't like offensive to me as a winner. It's just no, like, I think the, the other four is. are better options, but the playwright, uh, we don't need, to, we don't even need to name him. We just, no. yeah, we can, we can just, avoid talking about him altogether to be honest with we you. We need less of him, less, less of, him. of him, more Paula Vogel. Um, yeah. So let's talk about the best revival of a musical. So this is an interesting category here. You'll notice that there were five plays nominated in the best revival of a play category. There were only three, uh, musicals in the best revival of a musical category that has to do with the fact that there were only four shows that were eligible for the category. So because of Tony rules, they can't nominate all four. They have to only nominate three. So the three nominees are Caroline or change 
Company and The Music Man. The one show that did not get nominated was uh, the first ever Broadway revival of Funny Girl, starring Beanie Feldstein, who you might know from such movies as Book Report and Lady Bird. Um, you saw Carolina Change. That's the only show you saw in this group. I've seen Carolina Change in Company. I had a very, very expensive ticket to The Music Man uh, when I was in New York in March and got sick, and they refused to uh, exchange it for me. But um, oh. Yeah, was not a big fan of telecharge in that moment. I'm gonna put that right in my right in my anti music man column. Yeah, my brother and my niece went, um, but they had a seat next to them that telecharge was not very helpful. I should have told them I had COVID. Like if I had told them they had I had COVID, they would have done it. But I didn't have COVID, so I didn't lie. But I should have. Um, Anyway, so you liked I loved Caroline or Change far more than I did. Um, So tell tell me your thoughts here on Caroline or Change. Okay, I loved this production of Carolina Change. And um, the actress who played the lead role, Sharon D. Clark, is also nominated in the acting category. We'll get into that later. I thought that everything about this was spectacular. I thought the staging was phenomenal. I thought that the direction was phenomenal. Um, I was obsessed with the moon, like just, just really felt that this, um, production nailed the material. Um, I think that this, this show in particular, I actually was, was sad to see that Casey Levy did not get a nomination. I would have liked to see her sneak in there because that character can really be, um, kind of like whiny and annoying, and hers was not her her take on it was was so um like warm and endearing in a way that I was not expecting. Um I just I think that Janine Tesori, who wrote the music for the show, the book and the lyrics are by Tony Kushner. I think that J- Janine Tesori is one of the great geniuses of our time. One hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that this show is her at her best um, in the way that it combines kind of the various styles of music. So you have like old spirituals and blues and Motown and um, also like Jewish folk music kind of merged together. Um, For people who are not familiar, Carolina Change is the story of a black woman who works for a Jewish family um, kind of as like a housekeeper and a maid um, and it is in the 1960s, in the 1960s. Yes. In, uh, the South. So Louisiana, yeah. really, I just think that the merging of those two, um, like musical styles is, is really spectacular. And, um, I hope that the show just wins all of the awards. You had a different opinion. Yeah. I went and saw it with, my friend, fellow Central Ohio native, ABC uh, climate change producer, uh, Tracy Wolf, and we sat there and we were like, we don't get it. Like, are we just not smart enough to understand this show? Like, we didn't understand why everyone was so rapturously enamored with this show. And it, it's probably on us because we both went in. She, she's a, despite being a uh, reporter and producer for NBC, she has a musical theater degree from Northwestern. So like we're both people who we expected to love that show. And we were just like, it does nothing for us. Maybe it was a bad night. Um, 
It just didn't it didn't click. The other thing for me, though, is in this category, I thought Company, which is a revival of the Stephen Sondheim genre defining classic. um, I thought that was nearly the most perfect production of a musical I've ever seen. There was one major casting flaw that I think the show has. Um, But other than that, I thought it was about as perfectly staged and put together uh, as it could possibly be. What's interesting about this production, um, which, like Carolina Change, both originated in London. These are transfers of of London productions. This show takes um, a lot of the main casting and does gender reversals. So the show is normally about a man who is turning 35 named Bobby, B-O-B-B-Y. In this production, it is changed to a woman uh, who is tra- turning 35, B-O-B-B-I-E. And then some of her friends that are part of the, the show, their uh, genders are changed. Who she's dating is changed. Um, I thought that this was incredibly staged by Marion Elliott, who I think is one of the greatest directors working in theater in general, but especially in musical theater. I think her stuff here was mind-blowing. Um, the, 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 the one drawback, as I mentioned a minute ago, was the casting of the lead who, despite the fact that I've now seen her in the show twice and uh, have seen quite an arc and development of her vocal ability with this, you know, iconic score, but she's still not the right person who should have been cast in this role. She fits the character perfectly. This character has to ooze charm and, and even sexuality and Katrina link who plays Bobby has that in spades. She is nothing if not um, electric and magnetic, but she just doesn't have the voice to do this justice. And she's better now. Since I saw her the last time in February, and she was much better than she was when I saw her in November. But it still just doesn't feel right, especially when all of the rumors that I've heard from my friends inside the industry as to who else was up for that role as a finalist. Uh, I'm still kind of blown away that they went with her, although it sounds like it came down to Stephen Sondheim, who wrote the score. Um, it was his decision, and he went with her. Not to speak ill of the dead, but that was a bad decision, Steve. So um, other than that, I thought Company was near perfect. So I will be rooting for Company uh, in this category because this Music Man revival, I think, has no shot of winning, despite the fact that Hugh Jackman uh, is the star. It is a very flat, pun intended, if you are familiar with the scene, uh, with the set. Um, I don't think this one has any really any real bearing on the outcome of the category. I have to bite my tongue on the music man or I will get mean um, because it is one of my favorite shows of all time. And this revival ignites like a deep rage in me for so many reasons. So I'm glad we can agree that the music man should not win best revival of musical. It's just there. Um, I have watched a bootleg of the London what? production oh, company. Oh, what? I'm not familiar with what those things are. They're certainly uh, not something that we condone we in any way, shape, or form. We don't condone them. It just, it, it, I turned the TV on and it was there. Uh-huh. Um, but my only real criticism, and again, I, this because it was the London production that I saw. So same staging, same direction. Um, but there, not- were, there were some changes. Like I, From what I understand, there were some significant set and uh, staging changes. I mean, not okay. like not like complete overhauls, but there were some scenes that were modified specifically for Broadway. So just throwing that Got out. Got it. Okay, that's actually really interesting, and I, I didn't know that. Um, but I was going to say, like, I can't speak to Katrina Link's casting, um, other than 
that would have been my guess is because she is a spectacular actress who sings. 100%. And Bobby is a, Bobby needs to be a singer who acts, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, just given the nature of, of the vocals that are required. Um, however, my one critique was that I actually felt like the gender bending of the roles was too much. And I would have liked to see them keep like one or two of them as written yeah, and have Bobby be queer. Yeah. I, and honestly, that's my only real, like, it's not that I, I'm not against gender bending roles at all, but I, I don't need you to like flip flop it and then keep it, keep the musical straight. Like give yeah. me queer Bobby. And then I am all in on this production. Yeah. When this show was originally announced and I do a, theater podcast over on Broadway radio, when they first announced they were doing a gender bent company, I just assumed that it was going to be either a lesbian Bobby or at least bisexual, Um, especially because there are three in the original show, three girlfriends and the new show, three boyfriends that she dates throughout the show. I figured there'd be at least, I mean, at first I just assumed they'd all three be women, Um, but but, definitely been at least one. Yeah. And that, that, the the rumors uh, you know along the casting scene in theater was that one of them almost was uh, was Tony nominee Jen Colella and they opted against that. Um, it's like Matt, picture Katrina Lank and Jen Colella. I, I, I just saw Jen Colella in Suffs off Broadway and she's amazing. Um, so I, yeah, I, I don't know why they didn't do that. I was disappointed with that. It's also interesting because they take a show that. Um, had because the three girlfriends in the original were were obviously all women, they take a show that was it had a very strong group of female cast members, and then because of the way they changed some of these roles, they significantly cut the number of female roles in the show. So that's another issue. But I think on the merits of the show that is on stage, I think it's phenomenal. Um, and I'm very happy a uh, friend of mine, Matt Doyle, uh, received his first Tony nomination and I think very well yeah. could win. Um, and uh, he's fantastic in this show. So love that. All right, let's move on to the plays category. The new plays uh, that are up for best play are um, Clyde's by two-time Pulitzer Prize winner Lynn Nottage, Hangman by Oscar winner Martin McDonough, the Lehman Trilogy, which has an interesting history. This show was originally written in prose in Italian, um, and then it was translated into English and then kind of divvied up amongst three actors. So there's really no legit script in the way that we think of scripts normally but it is uh, a fascinating work work which we'll talk about um then the minutes by pulitzer prize winner tracy letts and skeleton crew by the indomitable dominique moriso um i have seen three of these shows i saw clyde's hangman and i saw the lehman trilogy off broadway my here my choice here if i had to pick would probably be the Lehman trilogy, not because it's necessarily the show that I liked the most. Um, I think I liked I liked Clyde's the most. Clyde's I thought was an absolute hoot, um, and it starred uh, three time Emmy winner Uzo Aduba, and she's nominated for a Tony here, as is Ron Cephas Jones. Um, but the Lehman trilogy is just this weird, like three and a half hour show with multiple intermissions that basically tells the story of the Lehman brothers from basically the civil war era up through the financial collapse of 2008. And it's just three guys, um, three men who play everybody in the show. 
Um, and it, it's just literally direct address to the audience for the most part. There are some scenes, but it's mostly direct address. And when I explain it that way, and I'm like, it's about the financial institution of the Lehman Brothers, and it's just three guys talking to the audience, you're like, that sounds absolutely horrible. And you would be right. That is what it sounds like. But it's absolutely one of the most mesmerizing pieces of theater I've ever seen in my life. And I don't know how to explain why. Um, but it is an incredible feat of storytelling that that concept works in any way shape or form i have heard that um from more than one person that they went in kind of you know to check the box and say that they saw it were expecting to really hate it and then ended up loving it um or just being really pleasantly surprised that they didn't hate it like maybe they were like you know this isn't this isn't maybe not for me but it works and it shouldn't kind of a thing Mm -hmm. um so I thought that was really, really interesting. I I do think based on everything that I've heard, Lehman Trilogy will probably come out on top. Um, and I've also heard of other people who are like really pulling for either Hangman or The Minutes, depending on theirs. The one that I'm really sad about missing, though, is Clyde's. Well, especially because it was it. They did a live stream. They did like two weeks of live streaming from the Helen Hayes Theater on Broadway um, at the end of the run. Um, so, not that there are bootlegs out there, Jamie, because we don't condone bootlegs, but they are out there, and I might have one that I'm able to send you if I am talking theoretically, of course. Um, Wait, hypothetically, I would love to see it because I do love Uzo Duba, and I just yeah, it's a great I, show. It, yeah, it looked fun. It just looked fun. It is. And what's so interesting about it is is the concept of this show is that Uzo Aduba plays um, a truck stop restaurant owner named Clyde. Her name is Clyde and the restaurant is Clyde's. And she basically only employs people who are fresh out of prison. And when you hear that concept, especially from Lynn Nottage, who is a master of the American drama, you think, OK, I know what this show is. And then you show up and you're like, oh, shit, this is like a sitcom. This is not the the heartfelt drama talking about the injustices in the American prison system. This is like a sinisterly dark comedy um, that has these uh, incredible moments of heart. Um, I mean, there are long stretches in this show in which um, the characters, aside from Clyde, who is an actual literal monster, Clyde is a monster in this show. Um, the, her employees just sit there talking about what makes a great sandwich, um, led by the phenomenal two-time Emmy winner, Ron Cephas Jones. Um, it's a great show, and I'm sure this is gonna, one that's going to get done tremendously in the regions, much like the show that it is actually a spinoff of, um, which was Nottage's second Pulitzer Prize winner, Sweat. So there's a character in this show that was also in Sweat. Um, and it's uh, I love this show. So I'm, I'm excited that it got nominated, especially because it is um, one of the, the shows that is in this category that is closed. And that doesn't necessarily always mean that it gets remembered. Um, so I'm very glad that it's nominated. I don't think it'll win. I, I think the Lehman Trilogy pretty much has this category sewn up. But it is a really, really fun show. I love that. Awesome. All right, let's go to the big category, um, and that is the best musical. The nominees are Girl from the North Country, which is a show that takes the music of Bob Dylan and then completely reimagines the music and then sets it in um, 
Dylan's native Minnesota during the Great Depression. Um, it originated in London as well. Then there is MJ, the musical, based on a very small segment of the life of Michael Jackson. This also features a book by Lynn Nottage, who wrote Clyde's. Then there's the musical Mr. Saturday Night, which is based on the Billy Crystal movie of the same name. And it stars Billy Crystal like it did in the, the original movie. Then there's a the new musical Paradise Square, which... Um, talks about a real life place that happened just around the time of the civil war in new york city where um free black people lived in the same community as irish immigrants at the time irish immigrants were very much not considered uh they were considered a minority as well so these two groups banded together um, then there's an, another british import called sixth musical which takes a very modern pop uh, look at the lives of Henry the uh, Henry the Eighth's six wives, and then there is the new musical, which actually won the Pulitzer Prize for Drama in 2021, called A Strange Loop. It is about a well, it's by a in his own words a a queer fat black um, musical theater writer, and it's about a queer fat black musical theater writer writing a musical about a queer black fat musical theater writer about a so on and so forth. So um, really, the only the, a strange loop is going to win. We we both know that, Jamie. Um, yes. But this is a really, really interesting category for a lot of other reasons. I mean, there's there is some controversy. There are some snooze fests in here. Uh, Sixth the musical is a fan fave that everyone loves. Love it. Um, listen, the only reason that I haven't seen six is because I couldn't. I could not get a ticket when I was in New York and I didn't win the lottery. Um, I will I will tell you, the first time I saw I went to the very first preview of this show, walking in to the Brooks Atkinson Theater, I think that's where it's at, um, the Brooks Atkinson Theater, I was behind in line, and I don't know him personally, so I didn't say anything. I was standing behind your good friend, Kevin Daly. So, um, that is so funny. Um, yeah. Yes, Kevin Daly, uh, Twitter... Broadway Twitter sensation. Yeah. Um, yeah. I six doesn't need the Tony wins to continue running. Oh, so yeah. there are many people who I think are really pulling for six because it, it does have kind of a, a cult following and the music is so catchy like that. I work out to the musical or to the cast recording every day. Yeah. Um, full of bangers, but it does not need the win to continue running. And a strange loop is, absolutely going to take this category and and deservedly so um you know a great pop musical doesn't necessarily mean that it that it will win or should win um i'm so glad that it exists and i'm so glad it's really rethinking what we define as musical theater because it's pushing the envelope in a lot of ways six is i I mean but i just think a strange loop is is really the the shoe in and nothing else is even going to come close yeah, I saw A Strange Loop last week, and um, it's a show that certainly there are things in it that don't resonate with me. I mean, it's like I said, it's a show about a a queer black musical theater writer, and there's a, I'm a straight white man. Um, and despite the fact that I'm very much in the theater community, I there were just jokes and things that I didn't get. Um, so there were things I'm like, okay, I understand why this works. It's still hilariously funny, still very good, but it didn't resonate with me on every level. But the one thing I will say for this, and I said it on Broadway radio, 
None of that matters because what this show does incredibly well in a way that I have literally never seen in any other musical and potentially any other play ever um, was really communicate the depth and and reality of the emotions of the main character in a way that the audience has no choice but to feel them. A lot of times when you're watching a show, you can understand the emotions. And if it's really good, you can feel it. You feel for the characters. But I have never seen a show in which I watched the main character's journey and what they went through. And I felt it like I did in a strange loop. Um, it is an absolutely incredible uh, experiment in how you put a show together to make something like that work. Um, it is by Michael R. Jackson, not to be confused with Michael Jackson, who is the subject of MJ the Musical. Um, but the way that he, along with Jaquel Spivey, who is the lead of the show, have been able to communicate Usher, the main character's um, emotions and fears and anger and frustration, as well as the joy and humor in his life, um, is really unparalleled as far as I'm concerned. And so while there, I, there are certainly things that didn't work for me, maybe because I'm not the, I'm not the target, target demo, but none of that mattered because of what actually did work. So I'm, I'm thrilled for a strange loop. I am, I would put everything I have on that winning um, and deservedly so because it it literally did something that I've never seen in that genre before. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So real quick, we're going to take a, a quick break and then very fast run through some of the performance categories for you uh, before we wrap up the show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, we are back here to wrap up the Tony nominations discussion here on the very sports-centric podcast uh, for the Land Grant Holy Land Podcast Network. Um, there are eight categories of performers um, here, Jamie. I don't know that we need to talk about all of them. Um, and, and if no. we do, we can do it kind well, of quickly. We can quickly. Just do like a speed round. Let's yeah, all right, let's then. do speed round. All right, so let's start with... Um, all right, so let's start with the featured role in a play categories. Um, so let's start with um, best performance by an actress in a featured role in a play. We have Uzu Aduba for Clyde's, Rachel Dratch for POTUS, or Behind Every Great Dumbass, are seven women trying to keep him alive. Uh, Kaneda R. Miller, who I mentioned earlier for, um, for Colored Girls Who've Considered Suicide When the Rainbow is Enough, Felicia Rashad for Skeleton Crew, Julie White also for POTUS, um, and then Kara Young for Clyde's. I saw POTUS over the weekend uh, as the last show before I left. Absolutely stupid show in the absolute best way. Um, so very, very fun. Has a great cast. Rachel Dratch certainly deserves this nomination because she gives an unbelievable performance. Um, Julie White, the, the, her co-star who's nominated here, is a Tony winner already. Um, Felicia Rashad, obviously a legend. And then Uzo Aduba and Carrie, Carrie Young um, for Clyde's. And then Kaneda R. Miller for, for Colored Girls is giving an absolutely heartbreaking performance. Um, 
a lot will change as we hear more winners of other awards as like the precursor awards here, Jamie. But do you have any thoughts on who might come away with this one? This is a really tough one because there are several names. Yeah. Um, and again, this is a category where there is not a if it, there's not a single person in this category where if they won, I would be like, no, you're wrong. Yeah, Felicia Rashad's problematic, but well, that's for another conversation. Okay. Um, she she supports a certain very vocally supports a former co-star of her that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Scratch that. Yeah. Yes, you're right. I forgot. <laughs> I have. I had I know, truly I know. locked that out of my brain. Yeah. Um. With that said, she is a name, and She's so. A I don't know that the Tony nom like I care about that so much that I have blocked it out of my brain apparently. Um, but I don't know that the Tony nominees care about that. Yeah. Or the Tony uh Tony voters, voters I mean. Um with that said, like even if you take her out of that out of this, it's just like the category is pretty stacked and you've got double nominees for two shows. Mm-hmm. So this is a hard one to call. What what are your thoughts? I'm going to go for now with Kanetta R. Miller because, like you said, you have two nominees for Clyde's, two nominees for POTUS, and then Felicia Rashad. So I think just – and to be honest with you, in Tony voting, double nominations usually don't cancel out as much as you think they do because usually it's one person who is clearly the more deserving. Um, But I do think in this case, Kanetta gives a phenomenal performance. She is – she has this incredible historic monologue at the very end of her show. Um, and what's interesting about it is, is Kaneda is literally six, seven months pregnant. Um, and this is a show that has a lot of dancing. It is called a choreo poem um, because it involves a lot of um, spoken word poetry and choreography dancing. So the fact that she is giving the performance that she is giving as visibly pregnant as she is, um, I think also will probably impact the Tony voters as well. So I'm going to go with Miller in this category and a very deserved win. Yeah, I think that that's a a, a great bet. Um, I could see either of the POTUS women being kind of um, the dark horses here or or sneaking in, but I think Canada is a is a is a, has very strong odds in this category. Yeah, and she's also a beloved member of the theater community who's never really had the opportunity to shine like this. So I think there is a lot of goodwill for her um, amongst voters as well. Absolutely. All right, best performance by an actor in a featured role in a play. We have Alfie Allen from uh, Game of Thrones, I believe, um, for Hangman, the legendary Chuck Cooper for Trouble in Mind. Uh, and then here's where we basically have TV people for the rest of it. Um, I guess a lot of them are TV people when we throw in Alfie Allen. Jesse Tyler Ferguson for Take Me Out, Ron Cephas Jones for Clyde's, um, Michael Oberholzer for Take Me Out, and Jesse Williams for Take Me Out. Um, I have no idea in this category. I honestly don't. Um, Alfie Allen is really, really creepy as hell in Hangman, which is the the way the part should be. Um, but I I didn't see Take Me Out. That's a show that I was uh, supposed to see on my trip to uh, New York in March. But because of a freak blizzard in March in New York, I missed it. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't have a strong gut feeling here, although I'd love to see Chuck Cooper get a second Tony award there i I, my gut says it's gonna be chuck cooper really yes i'm gonna call it now um 
he, you know, he hasn't won since 1997 when he won featured actor in a musical from Memphis and no, 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 the life, or I'm sorry, not the character's name is Memphis yeah. for the light. Yeah. Yes. For the Memphi- life. Mem- Memphis is a former Tony winning best musical. His character that was Memphis. Is not, Very confusing. His character Memphis is separate in yes. the light. Um, <laughs> yes. Thank you. Uh, I just, I think he is overdue and I, he is so beloved in the theater community, like so beloved. Yeah, and his daughter, Lily, is a, a former Tony nominee who was in POTUS as well. Actually, in my New York trip, uh, or my in my November trip to New York, I saw Chuck in Trouble in Mind. I saw his son, Eddie, uh, as the proprietor in the Off-Broadway Revival of Assassins. And I saw Lily in the 15th anniversary reunion concert of the original cast of Spring Awakening all in the same week. So I had a very Cooper-tastic uh, trip but uh but yeah i would love for chuck to win it i think the take me out guys being three of them i said just a minute ago that you split nominations don't usually hurt but when there's three of them that could be different so it could be yeah. chuck walking away with this i wouldn't be surprised if ron cephas jones wins either but um right. but we'll see i uh, desperately wanted chuck cooper to be mayor shin in the music Man. should have been that i mean i i didn't i like i said i didn't see the show and jefferson mays is a, an also a legend, yes, but no disrespect to Jefferson Mays ever. Like Chuck Hoover can go in as a replacement. I don't care, but I would love to see his mansion. I just love Chuck Hooper. I, of yes, course. I'm calling it out. He's good. Yeah. All right. Best performance by an actor in a featured role in a musical. The aforementioned Matt Doyle for Company, Sidney DuPont from Paradise Square, Jared Grimes for Funny Girl, John Andrew Morrison for A Strange Loop, and A.J. Shively, a Central Ohio native who I interviewed over on Broadway Radio a few weeks ago for Paradise Square. I think he went to one of the Dublin schools, maybe Kaufman. I think he might have gone to Dublin Kaufman. Oh, cool. Yeah, so um, I I I think Matt Doyle is going to win. He the, his character that he played in the London version, um, the actor who played him in London, who's now on Bridgerton, right? Um, uh, yes. Bailey yes. and something Bailey. Um, he won the Olivier, which is the Tony equivalent in London. Um, I would be kind of shocked, honestly, if Matt Doyle didn't win for Company. I agree. I think the only person who even stands a chance of kind of. Um, sneaking in there is John Andrew Morrison for a strange loop. Um, but I really think this is Matt Doyle's award to win. Yeah, it's interesting because all of the featured roles in a strange loop are essentially ensemble roles where they play multiple characters and they're literally just called thoughts one, two, three, four, five, and six. Like there's six ensemble members and they're just thought one, thought two. So it's really yeah. hard for me to kind of single one out. Like I couldn't tell you you know, without looking at the program, like who is who, but mm-hmm. um, there is definitely the opportunity for a strange loop wave to kind of carry some of these through, but we will see best performance by an actress in a featured role in a musical Jeanette ba- uh, Bayardell for girl from the North country, Shoshana Bean for Mr. Saturday night, Jane Howdy shell for the music man, L Morgan Lee for a strange loop. We'll come back to her in a second. Patty Lapone for company and Jennifer Samard for company. L Morgan Lee becomes the first openly gender non-binary actor to be nominated for a Tony award um, in a strange loop, which I think is uh, something that is noteworthy. Oftentimes, I feel like Tony voters like to make statements with their votes, like I think they did a couple years ago in this same category that I thought gave the award to somebody who didn't deserve it for um, visibility reasons, uh, despite the fact that someone else was clearly the most deserving person in the category. Uh, but I don't think L. Morgan Lee is going to win this. I, I honestly, I guess 
I I mean, maybe maybe she is. I, I feel like the odds have always been in Patty Lapone's favor for a part yeah. that I don't think she deserves to win it for. But it's gonna be Patty Lapone. And like to your point earlier, you know, this having a split vote, like having Patty Lapone and Jen Smart both in this category is not going to cancel Patty Lapone out. As if that could ever happen. Um, no, it's what, just I would love to see Jen Smart win a Tony. Yes, but like, Jen, yeah, Jen Smart, her second Tony nomination. She's phenomenal in the show. The problem with Jen Smart's role in this show is that she doesn't have a solo song of her own. So she sings with the groups and she has a f- super funny scene uh, alongside Christopher Sieber. But um, I don't know that it's enough to get her a win. And the thing is, like, I saw Patti Lapone do this role more than a decade ago in a in a staged concert production with Neil Patrick Harris, which is available on DVD. So, like, she's basically been doing this part on and off for 10, 12 years. Um, and I don't know that she's doing anything exceptionally different in this production. Um, but I also don't think uh, Jeanette Bairdell for A Girl from the North Country really deserves it. I don't. I mean, I didn't see Mr. Saturday Night, but from what I understand, uh, Shoshana Bean is considerably underused and she's like a, a Broadway darling, but I can't see her getting that. And, and Jane Howdy Shell, who's already a Tony winner. So maybe I'm talking myself into L. Morgan Lee battling up again with Patti Lapone for this one. Yeah, I just I, you know, Patty hasn't won since her win in 2008 for Gypsy. Mm-hmm. Um, when like every I- person in that cast won. And she was nominated in 2011 for Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. And then again in 2017 for War Paint, which was not a good show and was just given obligatory nominations to both Patty and Christine Ebersole because of who they are. Yeah. Um, not the, their performances were not the issue, but the show itself was like not a well done show. And had it been literally anybody else, the show would have been overlooked for Tony's. Um but it received those nominations arguably because it's them. I would say that like the Tonys are not going to send her out on that note. And she keeps saying she's like done. She's going to like retire from theater, but. Or at least from musicals. Or at least from musicals. Like she's going out on a win. I mean, I will she actually retire? No. No, she won't. She's she won't. Patty Lapone and she is a legend and she's going to just continue to work when the right roles land in her lap, I'm sure. But certainly I just think that the Tonys, like this is a role where they can arguably give her an award and they couldn't do that for War Paint. Um, that was the, that was the, I believe the Hello Dolly year. Uh, yeah, that tracks. She lost, I think to, to Bette Midler. Um yeah. So like they they just they couldn't there was no way they could like even sneak it in on name recognition alone. I just don't see a world in which Patty Lapone doesn't take this award. I I would love to be proven wrong, but I just don't see it. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, she's great, she's fantastic, but it's oh yeah, this is Patty Lapone is legendary. Like again, if she wins, I will be happy for her on her career merits alone. Like that's fine, but. All right, let's go into the leading categories, and we can run through these fairly quickly. Best performance by an actor in a leading role in a play. Simon Russell Beale for the Lehman Trilogy. Adam Godley for the Lehman Trilogy. Adrian Lester for the Lehman Trilogy. David Morris for How I Learned to Drive. Sam Rockwell for American Buffalo. Ruben Santiago Hudson for Lackawanna Blues. And David Threlfall for Hangman. I think we'll probably get a Sam Rockwell win here. Interesting. I was going to say my guess is David Morris. Uh, yeah, I could see that as well. I could see that as well. Either one of I those. Do think, I do think the Lehman guys will split. 
in this category because it's all three. They're, they're indistinguishable, to be honest with you. Like, who, which role is who? Like, it's all this, like, yeah, there's no way to differentiate between them. I I wouldn't be surprised if Sam Rockwell won, but I, I, I my guess is David Morse, so. Yeah, either one is good with me. All right, moving on. Best performance by an actress in a leading role in a play. Gabby Beans for The Skin of Our Teeth. Lashans for Trouble in Mind. Ruth Nega for Macbeth. Uh, Deirdre O'Connell for Dana H. And Mary Louise Parker for How I Learned to Drive. I mean, if I had my druthers, I would probably give it to Deidre O'Connell uh, because what she does in Dana H. is literally something that has never been done in the history of theater, which is saying something in a millennia old art form. But I'm guessing it's going to be Mary Louise Parker. Yeah. I mean, also so thrilled that Ruth Mega was um, nominated. Love her so much. Yeah, sorry, um, Daniel Craig. Yeah. I think that Mary Lou, uh, this is again how I learned to drive this role is is uh well known in the theater community and I just I just it the revival has been a long time coming um I mean her performance was legendary 20 years ago and now that she's doing it again um I'd be shocked if she doesn't win yeah I, it would really surprise me all right, best performance by an actor in a leading role in a musical. Lots of meh in this category, to be honest with you. Billy Crystal for Mr. Saturday Night, Miles Frost for MJ, Hugh Jackman for The Music Man, Rob McClure for Mrs. Doubtfire, and the eventual winner, Jaquel Spivey for A Strange Loop. Uh, I think Jaquel Spivey's going to win. There, Yeah, there's no question. And, like, Billy Crystal, you're my man forever when you're at Sally, is everything, but, like... Yeah. You're a big Efron fan. I'm asleep. I'm looking at this category and I'm like, I am asleep. Uh, Except for Jaquel Spivey. So that's it. The end. Moving on. Best performance by an actress in a leading role in a musical. Sharon D. Clark for Carolina Change. Carmen Cusack for Flying Over Sunset. Sutton Foster for The Music Man. Jaquina Colacongo for Paradise Square. And Mare Winningham for Girl from the North Country. You are obviously, as you mentioned earlier, very much on the Sharon D. Clark hype train. I wasn't feeling it. To be honest with you, I don't know that I would give it to anybody in this category but i feel like it'll it, it very well might be sharon d clark if not um i would say that jakina Colacongo, who is the brightest um thing in a an otherwise lackluster production uh, that is paradise square would be my guess so between those two is is who i think it'll come down to yeah i really feel sharon d clark won the olivier for this uh i really do feel that this is her award to who lose so um she has my vote and i believe she will get the votes of the actual tony voters whose opinions count as well what is interesting about this category is that we mentioned six the musical earlier and it is an ensemble of six women and due to how tony's break down whether you're in a lead or a featured part all six of the women who are in the sixth cast were put into the lead actress in a musical category so there's I don't know that they could have broken them up so but they probably could have made an argument that they should have been in featured everybody in the in the cast of Clyde's was in featured category so it's not out of the realm of possibility that there are no lead performers in a show um, but I really think it hurt them I think they if they would have had these broken up a little bit more and again I don't know if they could possibly have rationalized that I think they probably could have gotten one or two nominees in this category because it is pretty lackluster um but they didn't, so they don't have any nominees. So it's probably going to be Sharon or Jakina. Yeah, I. It, it was a surprising choice. Um, I cannot remember. I'm sure Twitter will tell me tomorrow. Um, 
whether you know how like the Tonys hold those kind of like special meetings to decide which categories people fit into. And I cannot remember if six was one where they like had to be in lead. Um, I, th- so here's how it normally works. The, by default, the, you're placed into a featured or a, a lead category based on where your name appears on the title page of the opening night playbill. So that means yeah. if your name is above the title, uh, you're, you're the lead. If you are below the title, you are considered featured. Now, the nominating committee, or actually, it's the Tony Eligibility Committee uh, or Tony Administration Committee. They have the ability to make changes on their own to that if they want. Um, a lot of times, a big star is above the title for marketing purposes, but they're actually a featured role. So they'll make that change automatically. If they don't, productions are able to petition the Tony Administration Committee to say, yes, they're above the title or yes, they're below the title, but they really deserve to be swapped whether that's into lead or out of lead um i believe that nobody was above the title for six and that six petitioned to have all of them in the lead categories oh interesting okay i could i genuinely could not remember that was an interesting choice on the on the six teams part well and i think the reason is is because just by the nature of lead categories versus featured categories, there are generally just fewer people to compete with in lead categories. Like I'm looking at the eligibility here. If you take the six women out, um, there's only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine other women that were eligible in that category. But if you look at the featured actress in a musical category, if I can scroll up to that, there are over two dozen women who are eligible for right. that. So it's. I think they're probably playing the numbers game, but it yeah. ended up hurting them in another way with the numbers game because there were so many of them in the same category. And I just think by virtue of the way that this show is constructed, it would have been impossible for them to split them because it really is as an ensemble uniform piece as you could possibly get. So it wouldn't make sense to have three in lead and three in featured. Um, yeah. But I think they were kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't. Six is, and you also have to consider that you know they they knew in advance. I mean, no, you don't really know until the day of the nomination. But everyone knew that Patty Lapone was going to get nominated and that she was probably going to win and featured. So it's a little they have a better shot at a win if they can sneak into the lead category. Um, you know, Six is one of those shows that really just makes the case for why we need an ensemble award. Totally, one hundred percent. Because I do think that they would win that really without question or like certainly Uh, company might win that one. Yeah. I was going to say maybe company, but like they would certainly have that nomination and be represented. And there are just shows where it's harder to split the cast up like that, that deserve recognition for the performances, but it's impossible to really take one person out of the mix and elevate them to the nomination level without kind of, you know, I just feel like when everyone's on the same playing field in a show and doing really great performances um it just we just need we need an ensemble tony this is like the hill i will die on yeah i agree there's a lot of things that i think the tony uh, administration committee needs to do in terms of changing their categories but that's a conversation for another day we have already spent 50 plus minutes talking about uh the tony nominations on this presumably sports centric podcast um real quick uh jamie since we uh, always end the show with the recommendation is there anything that you have been um watching or reading or or thinking about that you want to recommend for folks 
Oh yeah, I sure am watching um, Under the Banner of Heaven. Oh, is which that is, good? It is phenomenal. Um, so good. And also the new episodes of Grace and Frankie that just dropped. Yeah, I I tend to avoid true crime fictionalized shows because for years I worked in true crime documentaries and I'm just over it. But that cast is really great and I'm, I'm interested in it. So I, I might flip over to Hulu to uh, to watch that. But um, I just finished the season, uh, the first season of Outer Range on Amazon Prime Video, which is an absolutely absurd show that I loved. Um, it stars uh, Josh Brolin and Imogen Poots. And it's basically about a rancher in Wyoming played by Brolin who finds this gigantic hole that is, I mean, essentially it's like a, a sinkhole, but I'm not going to tell you what it is because it's spoiler alert. Um, but it is something not of this world and it is Ooh. fascinating and it is bonkers and it is weird. Um, it's by a playwright. Um, David Watkins, I believe is his name. He actually has a play debuting at Lincoln center theater directed by Tyne Raffaelli later this month. Um, uh, it's it's weird and it's it's something very different from what you would normally see on TV. Um, it's it's incredibly thickly plotted. So the first episode I felt like could have been an entire season, which how much happened. Um, so I loved that about it. And Imogen Poots is super interesting in this in this show. Um, so I'd highly recommend that. It's only six episodes, eight episodes. I think it's eight episodes. Um, and they dropped them two at a time. So it's, it's been running for a month and it's very interesting, very weird and very much something that I enjoy. Incredible. I'll have to check it out. All right, thank you for literally nobody listening to this whole episode because there's no chance that anybody tuned in for an Ohio State podcast and then listened to 50 minutes of uh, us talking about the Tony Awards, but we did it anyway. Uh, so thank you for listening if you are still here. If you're finding this episode on our website, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your daily dose of podcasting goodness. And if you like the particular brand of weirdness that we are supplying, please leave us a rating and review. Also, you can follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. Jamie, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at Jamie Urch. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful Tuesday. Get your Tony pulls in now. You never want to be uh, behind on that. Uh, but we will talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks. Go Bucks.